This episode has been brought to you in part by the Toronto Heschel School. You are invited to attend their open house on November 10th to discover what makes Heschel special. Visit torontoheschel.org for more details. That's Toronto, H-E-S-C-H-E-L dot org. It's going to be spectacular. We'll work on the puns. Yeah, we will. Are you ready? I'm ready. Are the bakers ready? They're ready. That's the promo for the latest season of The Great Canadian Baking Show on CBC. It's a reality TV show, and the idea is that 10 really amazing amateur bakers are chosen from across Canada, and they come to a secret location in the summer where they're filmed doing eight weeks of challenges, cookies and cakes and eye-dropping desserts. And each week, the judges critique all the deliciousness and the disasters, and then they decide who stays and who goes home. Now the show's debuted on Sunday nights, starting October the 17th, and that's when Canada met Stephen Levitt, the curly-haired, glasses-wearing, tattooed Jewish dad who has a day job, rides a motorcycle for fun, and can't quite believe he's living his baking dream. This year, finally, for season five, I was ready as a baker, and I fit, you know, perhaps, I, I like to say, I told them, I said, if you need a dad, I'm the guy. I'm Ellen Besner, and this is what Jewish Canada sounds like for Tuesday, November the 2nd, 2021. Welcome to the CJN Daily, sponsored by Metropia. Okay, here's a spoiler alert. Don't listen to this sentence if you haven't watched it. But if you're already a fan of the show, you'll know Stephen Levitt has survived the first three weeks. He's even won a couple of competitions. He was the star baker in the first episode for his Honey Bee fault line cake and he won the technical challenge for whipping up a batch of Australian desserts called lamingtons even though he'd never heard of them before. Levitt is 54. He was born in Windsor and then the family moved to Toronto when he was young. He runs a company that sells branded promotional gifts like fidget spinners and hats but he's been dying to get on the great Canadian baking show for years. Now, he's not the first Jewish baker to compete on it. Actually, Toronto lawyer Corey Sheffman was in the first season in 2017. He didn't win. But Levitt couldn't even ask Sheffman for advice because filming was top secret. Coming up, you'll hear why Levitt holds his Bubby's special kitchen tool during the show and whether he likes rugelach better than moon cookies. But first, here's what's making news elsewhere in Canada right now. I'm Saul Rubinek in Los Angeles, and this is what Jewish Canada sounds like. A 22-year-old Montreal student, Sam Tenenbaum, has been training hard all this fall, lacing up his running shoes. He's preparing to travel to New York this week, where he's going to compete in the famous New York City Marathon on Sunday. Tenenbaum is running on behalf of a charity that helps support the needs of poor Holocaust survivors. It's called the Blue Card Fund, and Sam's goal is to raise $3,400. To find out more or to sponsor him, go to the link in our show notes. My friend Michael Brook is an award-winning Canadian author. He's also a magazine and a book publisher. But a few years ago, Michael wanted a career change. So we went to work at a local Jewish funeral home in Toronto. Michael heard hundreds of eulogies, and he wondered how these stories will be passed on to future generations. So he decided to create a new memoir company. It's called Time for My Story. It's about the insights and wisdom and stories you want to share with family and friends before it's too late. As Michael says, 
A memoir book is an investment in your family and in their memories. It also makes a truly remarkable gift. In honor of November being Holocaust Education Month, a portion of all proceeds from Time for My Story orders will be donated to fighting anti-Semitism. For a free half-hour consultation, please email Michael. Visit timeformystory.com to learn more. The link is in our show notes. Stephen Levitt's friends and relatives come over to his house every Sunday night to watch the episodes as they air for the first time, and they're so lucky because he makes them some incredible dessert. He does cakes for friends and for special requests, but he doesn't actually have a store or a catering business. That all might change after being on the baking show. But in the meantime, his wife designed a special baking nook for him in their basement where he can keep all of his growing utensil collection. Levitt joins me now. There's a lot of rules about what you can and cannot say. Can you sort of give us a little bit of a, a resume of what you're, you know, the restrictions you're operating under, even though the filming <laughs> ended a long time ago? Yes. So, yeah, we're, we're definitely signed to an NDA because like any, uh, I, it's not even a game show, but, you know, nobody wants to know the answers to it. So, you know, when we're when we're told that we're on the show, uh, that's it. Our lips are sealed. Nobody can know we're on the show. Nobody can know when, where we're filming. Nobody can know that it has happened. Um, so my immediate family knew. Uh, and that's really about it. What did you tell your business associates? Um, this was a tough one. Uh, when I <laughs> when I told the other bakers what I told people, they all gasped at one point. And my father was has been battling cancer for a very long time. And he lives in the States. So I told everyone that my dad had taken a turn, which he had uh, over the last year. And I said, I'm going down to help out. And but before I did that, I spoke to my dad and I said, Dad, this is the story I'm going to tell people. Are you OK with that? And having the same sort of sensibility and sense of humor that I do, he said, absolutely. He said, and I and I promise I won't die while you're filming so that you can keep the story going. And true to his word. He waited until a week after filming to, until he passed away. So, oh, I'm so sorry. Uh, yeah. He was given a, a 30 to 60 day window to live, and he lived just short of 17 years of that diagnosis. So he had a very long, excellent, uh, good quality of life for that end part. And we got to share my experience. I, I FaceTimed him every day. So that was lovely. This is the Canadian Jewish News, so let's dive in a little bit to your Jewish influences, if any, because, um, you know, what's your favorite, Rogelach or Mun Cookies? Oh, that, mine is Rogelach. My wife is Mun Cookies. And I learned to bake both of them, you know, when I first started baking, just because, she, you know, we, we both were, my wife and I both worked at a Jewish deli when we were younger, and uh, she loved the Mun Cookies. She likes, <laughs> she doesn't love baked goods, which which is crazy, but she does like moon cookies. So I said, <laughs> I said, I'm going to learn to make moon cookies because there's not much I can bake for you that you like. And Rogelach, it always boggled my mind. I would go into a bakery and they're so expensive. Why are they so expensive? So now I, now I made them and I'm like, okay, they're, they're labor intensive. The, the ingredients are not inexpensive. Uh, so I kind of get it. But again, if I'm going to, if I'm going to pay the money, I'd rather pay the money to me to make them my way. Um, and when I watch, I don't remember what season it was. Uh, one of the technical challenges on the Great Canadian Baking Show was making Rugaluk. And I remember yelling at the screen saying, I should be there making these. I know how to make these. Was, your, uh, was there anyone in your life, in your family, who influences you in terms of uh, being 
a baker with the Jewish flavor? Uh, my my grandmother uh, was, you know, she was a traditional baker. Uh, but growing up, I that really never interested me much. My my sister would bake with her a lot. I was just happy to to show up on Shabbat and I would I would have dinner and I would have des- delicious desserts. Um, nothing nothing crazy, but it, what we'd always expect, you know, uh, apple. Uh, apple cake and uh, you know you name it, it the traditional stuff and I, I loved her blintzes she made blintzes from scratch something I still haven't tried yet um, she was a, a wonderful cook and uh, and the baking I, I would I, I could smell I can smell as I'm telling you I can smell the the air when I would walk in after school on Friday and I could smell everything still cooking so uh, there somewhere there is that influence and and uh, she was definitely with me in the tent I spoke to her a lot uh, while I was baking. What did you need to speak to her about? Uh, you know, just there there were two people I spoke to a lot. I spoke to my wife and I spoke to my grandmother. Um, just just to, to reach out, you know, while you're surrounded by all these people, you're also there alone. Your whole family, your friends, they're all away. You, you haven't seen them. You can't speak to them really. Um, and so, uh, you know, I, I, I had a keepsake of my grandmother, something that she used to use in the kitchen. I don't know that I ever saw her use it, but when she passed, for whatever reason, I took it and I've had it and I brought it with me onto the set. It is it's actually um, it is a uh, a pastry cutter. So it's a little, you know, used to cut butter into um, and I brought it with me. It sat at my station every time I baked. When there was judging, I was holding it. I, I had it with me. At every, as a matter of fact, um, being the good Jewish boy I am, I've. I've tattooed it to my arm, so that is my grandmother's pastry cutter. Exactly my grandmother's pastry cutter. And the V that is holding it up is, this was season five on The Baking Show. And uh, so I had that with me, uh, and almost like she was protecting me when I needed to be protected or or helped me when I needed to be helped in the tent. Her name was Rose, Rose Silverstein. I want to ask some technical questions. Can you bring your own recipes with you on your like cue cards or on your phone or how, how do you remember everything? We, we know what the, um, the uh, signature and the showstoppers are. So we're, that enables us to practice it. To, we have to develop our own recipes and they need to know what we're doing so that they can have equipment, they can have ingredients available to us. The technical challenge, which is the middle challenge in every show, Complete surprise. That is, when you see my face, especially I, I, they showed me on the Lamingtons. When they said Lamingtons and my face looked like, what? That was exactly it. I'm not a clue. Um, so those are those are complete shock. And, um, you know, unlike these shows, for example, Beat Bobby Flay, where there's all this testosterone and competition. This is a different kind of atmosphere on this show. Everybody's nice to each other. Ah, it's the reason that this is the only show I've ever tried to get on. Um, from when it was the British show, there was that I'm getting, I can feel goosebumps right now, just thinking about when I first found the show and there was something so different about it. Uh, and, and that's exactly it. You feel like your family. And I don't know if it's because it's the only show out there where there's no prize money. You know, you win a plate, the, the winner. So you're there because you love to bake. And I think it attracts a certain person. And so this show has never been about, you know, being cutthroat or it, it's, you know, you watch it, you see people helping other people on the show, you know, and we are each other's biggest fans. I've already gone to visit two of them on a motorcycle trip. 
Um, and I would, nothing would make me happier than to, to see them all at least once or twice a year and keep in contact with them. It was great to talk to you and congratulations. Good luck going forward. I'm, I'm hooked now. I'm taped that every, every Sunday night It's on my PVR. So we'll be rooting for you. And, uh, again, congratulations. Now, if you want to get some of Steve Levitt's recipes, the CBC has posted some of them on the website of the show. The link is in our show notes. And that's what Jewish Canada sounds like for this episode of the CJN Daily, sponsored by Metropia. Integrity, community, quality, and customer care. This episode is also brought to you in part by the Toronto Heschel School. Attend their open house on November 10th. Go to torontoheschel.org for more details. Today's listener shout-out goes to Michael Steele of Toronto. He likes that the CJN Daily podcasts are short. And we'll end today's episode with a sneak peek at an upcoming show with award-winning Canadian actor Saul Rubinek. He's one of the stars in Hunters, and he was in an episode of Schitt's Creek and a longtime character in Warehouse 13 and literally too many films and TV shows to count. Rubinek has now written a play about how the Holocaust has impacted his life, the lives of his survivor parents, and his own children. When my daughter first read the book, she read it twice right away and then watched the documentary with us, and then we asked her permission whether we can show it to the classroom, which had already been arranged. And then when she graduated from college a number of years ago, she said, look, I think that we need a new edition of your book. (laughs) I said, why? She said, well, it's not all true, is it? There are a lot of lies in there. And I said, well, I think they're kind of white lies because people were alive at the time and I had an agreement with my parents about naming names and certain things. And I said, well, everybody's dead who's involved in this now. And I think it's important to tell some, some of these truths. The Limud Toronto Festival takes place on Sunday, November 21st. Limud features educators, performers, authors, activists, and innovators from around the world. The Limud Festival of Jewish Learning celebrates creativity, diversity, inclusivity, and discussion. Everyone is welcome. All tickets to Limud are pay what you can. Learn more at limud.ca.